Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Freedom Through Faith. Prepare to be blessed as pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau leads us into the anointed study of the Word of God, teaching and empowering you how to impact your world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, teaching you how to receive the blessings and provisions of God and how to walk through this life with Freedom Through Faith. And now, here's Pastor Robert Thibodeau. Hallelujah. Hello, everyone, everywhere. This is Pastor Robert Thibodeau. Welcome to Freedom Through Faith. Hallelujah. It is a blessing to be able to come to you this day through the miracle of the Internet, through the miracle of modern-day technology. We're speaking to people all across this earth. Oh, praise God. What the missionaries and the disciples and the apostles would have done with technology like this. Amen. But God has it here for his end day church. His last day revival before Jesus comes back. That we can share the gospel with the entire planet all at one time. Amen. This is fulfilling scripture. Glory to God. And we are blessed that you're able to join us this day. Hallelujah. Let's go to the Lord with a word of prayer. We'll get started. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you and praise you. Lord, your word works every time it's put to use by faith in your name. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask for your blessings upon this broadcast this day, that your word would go forth touching hearts, changing lives all across this planet, that your word would go forth and accomplish what you please and prosper where you send it. Lord, give every listener today ears to hear and hearts to receive. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Glory to God. Join me in our confession of faith commonly referred to as the Apostles' Creed. Again, this is the foundation upon which we build each and every sermon that we come to the Lord with to preach. Amen. You have to build on the sure foundation. And I do this every week because I want you to understand these are the bedrock principles. I mean, we're building on a bedrock, glory to God. It's not going anywhere. And it starts right here. Repeat these words after me. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. 
And the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits now at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, from where he shall come soon to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe the church is the body of Christ. I believe in the communion of saints. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. I believe in the resurrection of the body. And I believe in life everlasting. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, turn with me. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 14. We shared last week about Jesus coming to the disciples, walking on the water, and their reaction and all of that, and we're going to continue in that theme today, but with a little different twist to it, amen? But I want to remind you of the, lack of a better word, I'm going to say story, but a story it could be construed as fiction. These are facts related by the disciples. Amen? Things that happened in Jesus' life that they wanted to share with others to prove He was the Son of God and is the Son of God. Amen. Matthew chapter 14, in verse number 15, says, we, well, matter of fact, we'll skip that. This is talking about the, the miracle of the five loaves. He's showing His disciples who He is the authority he has, that he has the ability to, to minister to thousands of people even when he only has a little bit. He's also teaching them the, the spiritual laws of seed time and harvest. That boy brought his two-piece fish dinner to Jesus, and Jesus fed 5,000 people with it till they were full, and then collected 12 basketfuls of leftovers. Glory to God. And then... He sends the disciples, says, go to the other side of the lake. And the disciples see this storm brewing, and they're fishermen. They know you're not supposed to be out on that lake when weather's like that. But it says he constrained them to go. He forced them to go. So they went. And sure enough, they got stuck out in the middle. The wind was contrary to them. They were rowing as hard as they can. They weren't making any progress. Things looked pretty grim as far as they were concerned. They knew you weren't supposed to be in a boat on a lake like that. And then they look up and they see Jesus walking towards them. And Peter blurted out, Lord, if this is really you, tell me to come to you. So Jesus said, come. So Peter got out of the boat. And that's what we were preaching on last week. If you missed last week's sermon, it was a powerful teaching on this word. And I highly encourage you to go back to our archives and get it at ftfm.org and go to the archives and download it for free and listen to it because it will bless you. Amen. I'm not going to take a lot of time on that because we hit, we hit it hard last week and we were blessed in our study. But Peter got out of that boat. The only disciple who took Jesus at his word. And he walked on the water 
a lot of preachers will focus on the fact that, oh yeah, he began to sink, and when he sank down, he cried out, and Jesus saved him. And they'll use it as a salvation sermon. And that's okay, amen. But it's more than that. I want you to see that by faith, you only need one word from Jesus. And you can walk on water as well. You can do things nobody else does. Jesus walked on the water. And other than him, Peter is the only other human in recorded history, even to today, that walked on water as well. Why? It's because he was with Jesus. Well, guess what? The Bible says Jesus is what? In you. He makes his abode in you. He's not just with you. He is in you. So why can't you walk on water? Have you ever tried? And you just can't do it to be like some magician or something and, and go down to the local lake and tell the media come down because you're going to walk on water because you know you can and you walk off, off the pier thinking, you know, it's going to hold you up, and what's going to happen? Bloop, right down to the bottom. Because you're trying to show off. See, Jesus was demonstrating to his disciples he had the authority over nature. I mean, John chapter 1 says... He was there when all things were created. All things were created by him, and without him, not one thing was created. It talked about the Word. And didn't it say down in verse 14 that he's the Word made flesh and dwelt among us? So Jesus is demonstrating to the disciples here, nature, he has authority over nature. He has authority over all things. That's the point he's trying to make. Now, he rebukes them for their lack of faith. He told Peter, Oh, ye of little faith, why did you doubt? You were doing things. You were walking on water. Nothing, something that nobody else could ever do. You did it, Peter, because you believed my word. See what he's telling Peter? Look over here. Matthew chapter 14 and verse 31. Well, tell you what, let's, let's read verse 27. Immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Be of good cheer, it's I. Do not be afraid. See, fear will stop faith. Amen. That's why every time the angels showed up, when the, what's the first thing they told the people they appeared to? Be not afraid or do not fear because fear will stop the anointing in its tracks. And here Peter said, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come to you on the water. Now, Jesus could say, it's not me. No, he couldn't say that because it was really him. And he could say to Peter, now Peter, hold on now, boy. It takes a lot of faith to walk on water. Do you have that kind of faith? If you don't have that kind of faith, you're going to sink to the bottom, boy. So be sure you got that kind of faith. See, that's what you hear in a lot of churches from a lot of pastors today. You may have a word from the Lord to do a mighty work. 
And then you try and share it with other pastors, trying to get them on board, to come into agreement with you, and maybe to help you out. And go, well, you know, are you sure you heard from God on this? You know, I mean, that's not a very good idea. You know, if you got to do this, that, and the other thing, you know, that's, that's, that's pretty far-fetched. You better be careful about that faith stuff. See, I've heard it too. When the Lord told us to, to believe Him to buy an AM FM radio station serving the Washington DC market to be the voice of God over Washington DC. I've shared that with people. And a lot of them are real gracious. They'll smile real big. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's nice. Okay, see you later. And they turn around and leave. You get others that say, well, now, uh, you know, a radio station is kind of old-fashioned, you know, and uh, you just might not want to go down that road. It's very expensive, and there's a lot of things that you have to have, and, you know, you, you, why don't you just stick with the internet, you know, you can do that, and it's not that expensive, and, and you know, you just, just, just work over there and do that. See, they didn't hear from God. You did. I did. When the Lord spoke that to me, it is part of my being. When the Lord spoke that word to me about buying that radio station, it's just like he told Peter here. Come. And because this was such a, or is such a huge undertaking, I even asked the Lord, for lack of a better word, a fleece. And he provided it to me. Immediately. I mean literally one second after I asked for it. It arrived. Want me to tell you what it was? Okay, I'll be real simple. I told the Lord. I said, Lord, this is a very, very expensive undertaking. And before I commit time, prayer, and resources to this, I want to know it's of you. And forgive me for doing this, but I'm going to ask you for a fleece. I specifically sold it. I said, Lord, you got to show me that people will give into this work that we can obtain the required finances to go forward with this. And as I was praying that word, as I was praying what I just explained to you, my computer went ding, which meant I got an email. And I continued on my prayer, and I was, I was, because I was in my prayer session. I don't check emails while I'm praying. When I finished, probably 20 minutes later, I went and checked my email and see what it was, and someone had sent an offering into this ministry. I get an email when that happens, amen? So I can pray. I, I do that so I can pray over your seed. When you sow a seed into this ministry, I pray over it immediately. Amen. And that's what this was. I got an email. Someone had sown seed into this ministry. Someone I did not know. Someone I still don't know to this day. But the Spirit of the Lord moved on their heart. And they were on our website as I was praying. And they sowed a seed according to what God told them to do. And it was a good seed. 
But what the Lord was showing me as I was praying, remember, as I was praying, I asked that you would show me that you would move on people's hearts, that they would sow into this ministry financially, because it's going to take a lot of finances to buy this radio station. And that's what I asked the Lord. I said, before I commit time, prayer, and resources to doing this, you got to show me that you will have people give. And as I prayed that, my computer went ding. It was instantaneous. One second after I prayed, God had given me that fleece. Well, that was a coincidence. Well, I don't believe in coincidences. Amen. And that's what I'm trying to show you right here. When you stand on the word of God, you can't help but be successful. That's what Peter did. He said, Lord, if it's really you, command me to come. What else could Jesus do? It was him. And he has been working all day on building up their faith. And here he sees Peter have just enough faith. Jesus says, come on, boy. And Peter got out of that boat. There were 11, at least 11 other disciples in that boat. I mean, there might have been some other people in there too. And they're still in the boat. And Peter's walking on water. Doesn't say any of the others tried to get out of that boat and follow him. But you know they were talking. I bet they were saying, Peter, what are you doing, boy? Get back in this boat. We don't believe you can walk on water. We're not that kind of church. We're not that kind of church where we believe miracles can happen. Get back in this boat, boy. You hear that and see that in a lot of denominations today. They refuse to believe the miraculous. Oh, now when a miracle happens, oh, yes, Amen, that was a miracle. Glory to God Almighty. But they don't expect it. They're not in a spirit of expectancy. Amen. I'm not going to name the denominations, but this happens in a lot of churches in America today. They refuse and reject the power of the Holy Spirit that's available to them. There are churches that still hold invitations and invite people to come down to the front for prayer. Yes, there are. Not as many as there was 10 years ago or 20 years ago or 50 years ago because of this purpose-driven church crap. Well, you don't want to put pressure on people. We don't want to, you know, they, they may not want to, to show everyone that they need prayer. Well, how are they going to know to pray for them? Well, we don't want to talk about sin because that may be offensive to them. It's only offensive to them if they're in sin. And that's the purpose, is to offend them to the point. Do you know why... Do you know why God gave the law, the Ten Commandments? You see, oh Lord, where's it at? I want to say it's in Romans. Let me see if I can find it real fast. This is not part of my 
my sermon. But uh, if I can't find it here in about 10 seconds, I'll just tell you what it says. The uh, glory to God. The law was given to Moses. Amen. And prior to the law, there was there was sin, but prior to the law, there was no imputing of the word of the sin. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, prior to the law. It was not, sin was not imputed to man. In other words, it wasn't put on their account. Amen? Because there was no law against sinning. It was just taken for, for granted. And let's see. There it is. Romans 5.13. Let's go to Romans 5.13. There it is. Okay. For until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed where there is no law. Sin is not put on a person's account when there is no law. That's why you see uh, people with multiple wives. Amen. That's why you see Abraham giving his wife to be in the harem of the king so that he can have so that the king can have sexual relations with Sarai Abraham's wife although she was his half sister i mean later on in Leviticus that is an abomination to god that a man should take his half sister as his wife that's an abomination to god it's sin but yet Abraham did it and it was okay. Why? Because there was no law given that said anything against it. There was God's morality, but that was not given to man. Amen? That where there was no law, until the law, sin was in the world. God is acknowledging there was sin in the world from Adam up to Moses. Amen? From Adam to Moses, there was sin, yes. But there was no law that imputed the sin to the individual accounts. Amen? And then verse 14, Romans 5, 14. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. Death was still in the world. People were still dying. The... Wages of sin is death. Adam's sin. From that point on, sin was in the earth. But notice, Adam lived like 635 years, and Moses, I mean, uh, Noah lived a, you know, 600 years. That was the norm. Abraham, 100 years old, had a child. That was not normal. Amen. Sarai giving birth at 90. That was not normal. So from Adam to Abraham, 
death had taken such a hold, life expectancies were starting to drop. Now Abraham's death, I mean his his life was normal as far as he lived, you know, a hundred and some odd years. That was considered normal. But having a baby at that age was not. Amen. But as Abraham lived, death still reigned. But sin was not put on his account. Amen. And he offered Isaac as a sacrifice to God. And God stopped him from killing Isaac. That through Abraham, the entire world could be saved through his seed. Amen. So here, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned like Adam had sinned. And Adam is the figure of him that was to come. Amen. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense, through one offense that Adam committed, many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift of grace, which is by one man, Christ Jesus, and that's abounded unto many. Amen? And not as if, not as, not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation. Everybody's condemned to death because of the sin of Adam. But the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. Through Jesus, you are justified, hallelujah, before God. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Amen. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all unto justification. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one many shall be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Amen. What he's saying here, from Adam to Moses, there was still sin in the world, but it was not imputed. It was not put on man's account, each individual's account. Moses brought the law from God, went up to the mountain, and God said, all right, Sin is abounding in the world, and I cannot associate with sin. People are thinking they have their own righteousness that allows them to live forever, but they're deceived. They're trying to get to heaven on their own merits. Sounds like some people today. Oh, I'm a good man. You know, I, I give to the church. I go to church. I don't go to church all the time, but I, I go, you know, once a month or a couple times a year anyway. And, 
you know, I don't cuss, don't drink, don't chew, don't date girls that do. And they think by their own righteousness, God's going to say, pat them on the back, say, okay, you did a good job, come on in. doesn't work that way. Sin abounds. And here you see from Adam to Moses, there was still sin in the world, but God wasn't crediting it to the account of anyone. Why? Because he was putting that on the account of Christ in the future. Remember, God's looking at everything as being completed. As far as God's concerned, this world right now already belongs to Jesus. Amen. It's already been paid for through Jesus. Since God's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he's already looking at forever as the end result, he's also looking at the beginning where it all started. As far as God's concerned, it's all one event. Amen. And Jesus paid the complete price for it. From Adam to the last absolute millisecond before this world goes to the new creation. Amen. But he tells Moses, look, I'm summarizing here. If people want to go to heaven on their own merits, this is what they have to do. Do not kill, do not steal, do not commit adultery. You know, love your neighbor as yourself. And, and he goes through the whole list of the ten. This is what they need to do. And see, the Pharisees in Jesus' day, that's what they were trying to do. They were trying to live this level of righteousness so they could stand before God and say, See, I did the best I could according to your word, your Ten Commandments. I kept them as best I could. And God's going to say, not good enough. But as far as the Pharisees were concerned, that was good enough. And that's why they're offended at the teachings of Jesus. Amen? But here you see... From Adam to Moses, people are getting worse and worse. And now they're thinking, you know, we can live our own life and still go to heaven. So at Moses' day, in his day, God brings the nation of Israel out of Egypt, showing them all the signs and wonders that he did to Egypt. They, without raising one finger, wiped out the most powerful army on the face of the planet, the Egyptian army. They seen their God do that. They seen their God take Egypt from being the most prosperous land and nation in the world at the time. They had what's basically as the known world, they had control of it. And the Israeli people watched as their God decimated that nation with the ten plagues. Amen? Until finally, the nation of Egypt gave them all of the gold and the silver and everything they asked for. 
and the nation of Israel left, taking all the wealth of Egypt with them. And then Egypt, you know, the Pharaoh realizes, like, my country has been decimated, and we don't have any more gold or anything because the Jews took it all. The Hebrews took it. They didn't just take it. They were given it. Is there any reason why they decided to pursue them? They have no labor force. They have no money, no gold. Gold was the currency of that day, if you want to use that phrase. So they have no labor force, no money. Their economy is in shambles. Their crops are ruined. The firstborn of every family in Egypt is dead. as well as Pharaoh's son. So he's mad. And he said, let's go get him. So is there any reason why the Jews should not understand when they seen their God do all of this and then destroy the most powerful army without them having to raise one finger? And now... Moses goes up to the mountain, and God says, all right, this is the standard. If you're going to try and live a righteous life, this is the standard. And he gives the Ten Commandments, knowing man cannot keep them. Knowing they're going to mess it up. He also gives them a way of knowing that they could be redeemed. And he institutes the sacrificial offerings. Amen. So now, from Moses to the times of Jesus, there is the law. Amen. And the law is brought not so man can keep the law and establish themselves as going to heaven but the law was really brought forth to show it's impossible for man to attain that level of perfection the institute of the offerings was to give peace to the individual that God is going to redeem them the offerings are symbolic of looking forward to the sacrifice of Jesus amen Throughout their scripture, it's talking about the Messiah is going to be crucified. Well, it doesn't use the word crucified, but it says his hands and feet will be pierced. Amen. He'll be raised up on a pole, the brazen serpent. Right? All these things, anyway, point to the Messiah, which Jesus has to fulfill. But the purpose is to show man it is impossible for you to be good enough that God will accept you into heaven unless you offer the sacrifice for your sin. And the sacrifices were symbolic of the sacrifice of Jesus. Amen. So we get to this point that Jesus is now teaching his disciples about these things. He's exposing these things. He's showing them that he is the Son of God. Amen. 
And here, walking on the water, Jesus says, if it's really you, command me to come. Jesus is demonstrating them through the miracle of the five loaves and through everything that's been going on. He's showing them he has the power and the authority to do all these things. Nature itself has to bow its knees to Jesus. That's why he can walk on the water. Amen. I'm sure he wasn't up on the mountain saying, yeah, they're far enough out now, Lord. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and walk out there to them. We'll give them a show. If he wanted to put on a show, he wouldn't have sent the multitude away. He'd have sent the disciples out in the middle of the lake, then turned around to the people and said, all right, now, watch this, and start walking. He didn't do that. His disciples were in trouble. Jesus' command was to meet me on the other side. That's why he's walking that way. Now, if they wouldn't have called out, if they would have continued to try and do this on their own, he, the Bible says he'd have walked on past them. Would he have left them out there to die? I doubt it. What he was trying to show them was, hey, what's the problem? I'm going to the other side. I told you guys to come to the other side. Are you coming with me or are you going to stay out there and toil? Amen. He's trying to get them to use their faith. And Peter says, if it's you, tell me to come. One word. One word from Jesus. Peter was able to subdue nature. And he walked on water towards Jesus. Peter's a fisherman. One, if you go back, it says he constrained his disciples uh, to get into the boat. It's because he knew you're not supposed to be on the lake when weather's coming in like this. Two, he's a fisherman. He knows men do not walk on water. And three, as he's walking on the water, I believe the devil threw this big wave up and splashed water in his face. And he started looking around and began to think. What in the world am I doing out here? In the world system, he's not supposed to be there. But he took his eyes off Jesus. Jesus told him to come. That's what he was focused on. And he could do it. But when he took his eyes off Jesus, where he began to sink. Amen. Let's look over, uh, go to Mark, no, Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. Just a couple pages back. Verse 23. And when he has entered into the ship, uh, Jesus is starting to, to really hammer at home. And he goes into his ship and his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. He had ministered all day, amen, and most of the days prior to that. This just shows how physically draining ministry can be to the human body. You know, I don't have time to go into it. When you minister, 
spiritually, led by the Holy Spirit, and you're laying hands on people and seeing them healed and delivered, and you're casting devils out, as well as preaching the word and teaching it, it is physically draining. And this shows how deep of a sleep Jesus must have been in. Amen. Because it says that the waves were washing into the ship and the ship was filling up. It, they couldn't bail it fast enough. It's raining that hard. And it says Jesus was asleep on a pillow. Amen. And he was probably drenched. But he was in such a deep sleep. Deep sleep rejuvenates your body. And that's a proven scientific fact. I mean, light sleep, waking up every 15, 20 minutes, you wake up in eight hours, you're still tired. But if you get into that deep REM sleep, you wake up refreshed. Your body re is re-energized. That's where Jesus was. He was so physically drained from ministering all day that even the rain and the waves wasn't waking him up. Amen? That's why in verse 25 it says his disciples came to him and woke him up saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he said unto them, why are you so fearful? Why are you so full of fear? Oh, ye of little faith. And then he arose. He got up. All right. You woke me up. Let me take care of this. And he rebuked the winds and the sea. And there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this? Even the wind and sea obeys him. Amen. Turn over to Mark chapter 3. Mark 3. Glory to God. Mark 3. Oh, Mark 4. Mark chapter 4. Mark 3 begins his day. Let's put it like that. It says he entered again into the synagogue. There was a man, this is Mark chapter 3, verse 1. And there was a man there who had a withered hand, and they watched him whether he'd heal him on the Sabbath day, that they'd have something to accuse him of. And they said to the man with the withered hand, Stand up. And he did. He asked the Pharisees, Is it legal to heal a man on the Sabbath day? To do evil or to save life or to kill. And they held their peace. And when they looked round about them with anger. Anger. See, it, it is okay to be angry with authorities. Spiritually. Some people get on me because sometimes in my Facebook posts, I get angry. Something is on there, especially... When I see government officials, be it the president or members of Congress, that does something spiritually wrong, they're endorsing darkness rather than light. And it makes sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes it makes me so angry that I'll get out there and I'll let them have it with both barrels. Spiritually speaking, amen. I will not hold back. When the Spirit of the Lord's upon me and tells me what to do. And some of you say, that's racist. Or, you know, I, I, I've, I've been accused of that. Oh, you're saying that just because the president's black. Hello? He's the president. 
He's the leader of this nation. If we endorse someone who upholds evil rather than good, who upholds and promotes immorality rather than morality, then this nation is condemned because of him. He is the elected leader of the people. The majority of the people of this land endorsed him. Therefore, the majority of the people of this land are condemned with him. And if the majority of the people of this land are condemned, that means the majority of everything that goes on in this nation is condemned as well. And this nation is condemned. Let me make no mistake about that and what I'm saying. The United States of America is a condemned nation. <gasps> Brother Bob, you shouldn't say that about our country. I mean, this is a great land. This is America. Yes, it is. Or I should say, yes, it was. The land of the free and the home of the brave? Not anymore. Not anymore. We are no longer a world superpower. This president has single-handedly knocked this nation off of the pedestal. There is no other leader, leading nation in this world right now. Russia's moving its head. China's making their inroads. Iran is trying to rise up. And America is sticking its head in the sand. All under the leadership of an immoral president. At any rate, sometimes I get off on a tangent like that and people you know, will write posts on there condemning it. But guess what? I don't care. I really don't care what you think about me or what I preach. I'm standing on the Word of God and I'll back it all up with Scripture. Amen? At any rate, here is an example of Jesus being angry with the authorities of his day, grieved with the hardness of their hearts. Amen. I relate to that. And then he commanded the man, stretch forth your hand. And as the man stretched forth his hand, it uncurled and was normal just like the other one. And the Pharisees left, and they went out and immediately took counsel with the Herodians, conspiring with them how they could destroy Jesus. But Jesus withdrew himself with his disciples to the sea. And a great multitude, multitude from Galilee followed him, and from Judea and Jerusalem and Idumea and beyond Jordan and Tyre and Sidon, a great multitude. When they heard what great things he had done, they came to him. And he spoke to his disciples that a small ship would wait on him because of the multitude. So there's the ship. He told his disciples, go get me a ship so I can stand in it so they're not pressing upon us and, and they come down the water. I can minister them from the ship. And he healed many. And so much they continued to press upon him just to touch him. And many of them had plagues. Unclean spirits, when they saw him, fell down before him, cried out, You're the Son of God! And he's charged them they should not make him known. And he went up into a mountain, called them who he wanted, and they came to him. And he ordained 
12. I want to focus on that. He ordained 12. Remember, there is more than 70 disciples. Amen. That's a pretty good church, even in today. You know, you go into a lot of churches in America, there might be 10 people, 15 people, if that. Jesus, without a building, had at least 70 disciples, if not more. That we know there was a lot of people that followed him. Amen. And here he separated 12, that they should be his inner circle. He ordained them. Ordained simply means to set apart and to anoint. And here he, he ordained them that he could send them forth to preach. That word preach means to declare, be a declarer. Like a herald. And to have power. He was giving these disciples his power to heal sickness and to cast out devils. And then it goes on down through their names. Amen. We'll skip over the part about, uh, you know, if Satan's divided against Satan a lot, but he's teaching, he's ministering. He's showing his disciples how the kingdom of God works. Amen. He continues to do so and telling them about, you know, the sower sows the word. And some, the birds ate, and some fell on the rocks, some fell on thorns. and But some yields fruit, right? He's ministering this. He's showing them how the kingdom of God works. Amen. And over in verse 33. Such parables he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. Without a parable he did not speak to them. We're in chapter 4, verse 34. When they were alone, he would expound all things to his disciples so they could understand what it was he was teaching. Now understand, he is teaching his disciples how the kingdom of God works. That's important to remember. Now evening was come, he said, okay, let's go over to the other side. We want to go over to the other side. And when they sent the multitude away, okay, folks, sermon's done today, teaching is done, healing is over, we're done here, we're getting ready to leave, Elvis has left the building, y'all can go home now. They took him even as he was. What does that mean, even as he was? He was exhausted. He was wore out. He was physically drained. They took him even as he was in the ship. And there was also with him other little ships. That's where I wanted to get to today. Glory to God. It took me 45 minutes. But I finally got us to the scripture I want to share with you this day. There was with him other little ships. Amen. Verse 37. There arose a great storm of wind. Waves beat into the ship. It was now full. Jesus was asleep in the hinder part of the ship. Asleep on a pillow. As we just said, the waves are beating the ship. The ship is now filled up with water. It's getting ready to go under. It's raining so hard, the wind's blowing so hard, the disciples can't keep up with bailing it out. Jesus is still asleep. He was that physically exhausted. He was in such a deep sleep. 
He didn't even recognize the trouble they were in. Why? He didn't have a care in the world. Amen. He told the disciples, let's go to the other side. Figuring after all that they had seen him teach on, heard him teach on, how he explained the teachings of how the kingdom of heaven worked. He said, all right, boys, let's go to the other side. And he went and took a nap. And they come and woke him up. Saying, Master, don't you care? We're going to die. Don't you care we're going to die? No. Jesus didn't care. He didn't have a care. He had told them to go to the other side. Why are you waking me up? And he got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace! Be still! And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And then he turned to the disciples. Hmm. Sometimes when I preach this, I do it in a rebuking tone. Such as, Why are you so fearful? How is it you have no faith? And sometimes I'll minister in a personal level. Like, why is it you're so full of fear? How is it? How can it be you don't have any faith at all? So you can take it either way you want. But then the disciples said they feared exceedingly. They are full of fear now. And they said one other, what kind of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? See, some of them are really filled with fear. Like, wow, this guy is something else. This guy here, I mean, he's got some power. Even the wind and the sea obey him. And the, they're full of fear. That's what it says. Amen. But let's go back. You know, verse 5, chapter 5, verse 1 says they came over to the other side of the sea. All right. We're not going there. Go back to, and there were other little ships with him. Do you think the storm on the sea affected the other little ships that were with him? The word of God is inspired by the Holy Spirit. Mark was not with the disciples when this took place. This has been handed down to Mark by the disciples. Mark, when he was with the Apostle Paul, it's believed that the book of Mark, well, one, is a compilation, because it says that, that elsewhere in Scripture, I can't remember right now, but Mark was with Paul, and it's believed that one of the times Paul was in prison in Jerusalem, that Mark, you know, he's ministering to the needs of Paul and taking care of him, and he's staying with the disciples. And he is asking them questions about what was Jesus like? Tell me some of the things he did. You know, I, I was too young. I don't remember, uh, you know, what Jesus was like or anything like that. But can you tell me? What he did, you know, some of the things that he did. So he is receiving 
this information firsthand from the disciples and he's right now. Now, the Holy Spirit led the disciples to tell Mark to write down these stories, these parables, these events that happened in Jesus' life. Why do you think that one sentence mattered to the Holy Spirit to include it in the canon of the written word of God on the life of Jesus. Chapter 4, Mark 4, verse 36. And there were also with him other little ships. Why was that important? Why does the Holy Spirit want us to focus on this today? Because they were still with Jesus. He was in the other boat. It may have been a half mile between them. You know, other little ships back in that day, they may have traveled, you know, a hundred yards apart. It didn't say, and there was also another little ship with him. It says there were other little ships, plural. It doesn't say two, three, five, seven. It doesn't, it doesn't say. All we know is it was more than one. And it was traveling with them. It was probably the boats carrying the other 70 disciples. Amen. But now look at this. If you had 12 disciples in one ship plus Jesus, that's 13. Amen. And let's say you also have the captain of the ship. That's 14. Maybe the first mate. There's 15. 15 people in this little boat. And Jesus had at least 70 disciples. That means there had been at least four or five other little ships traveling in a group going across this lake. And the storm came down on the lake. And if the boat Jesus was in, do you think that's the only boat Satan's trying to wipe out? No, he's trying to wipe out the whole group. Every single boat there was in trouble. And Jesus is still asleep. Everybody that was with Jesus, Satan's trying to destroy. Every single one of them. The other boats were in trouble just like the boat Jesus was in. And when Jesus got up and rebuked the wind and commanded the sea to be calm, be still, and calm came upon the sea, do you think the other little ships were still going through a storm? And it was only that little area around Jesus' boat that calmed out. No. The other little ships were blessed just like the boat Jesus was in. Amen. Every single ship that was with Jesus experienced the same miraculous deliverance. And the point I want to make from all of this that we've talked about this day, as long as you're with Jesus, he will protect you. Amen. If you have Jesus and you are serving him, what... Even the owner of the ship 
was saved that day. It doesn't say he was a believer. Because up here it said he told his disciples, go get us a ship. Go get me a little boat that I can minister to people from. And he sent that group ahead to go get the boat. They may have gone on, hey, Jesus is coming. He's going to be teaching some people today uh, on this hillside. We want to use your boat. It doesn't say how many people they had to go say, nah, I don't want him coming to my boat. I, I just got done cleaning my nets and got everything set up. I'm going home to eat dinner or breakfast or whatever. I don't have time. No, no. It doesn't say how many people he the, the disciples approached trying to get a boat for Jesus. But they finally came along someone and said, yeah, okay, no problem. And Jesus came. Everybody's coming down there with them. Jesus gets in the boat, teaches them all day long, sends the group away, and then tells the owner of the boat, we need to go to the other side. Or he tells his disciples, we need to go to the other side. And they tell the ship guy, the owner of the boat, hey, take us to the other side. He's like, okay, you paying for it. And off they go. Doesn't say that the owner of the boat was a believer. I bet he was by the time he got to the other side. The other disciples see Jesus getting ready to go, so now they're ready to, you know, hey, we need a boat too. And at least five other boats had to go with Jesus, if you count 15 people or so on each boat. And all of them, the devil's trying to kill out in the middle of the lake. Jesus gets up at the request of his disciples in one boat, the boat he's in, and he rebukes the wind and rebukes the sea and commands it to calm down, and there was an immediate calm. Do you think it only affected the boat Jesus was in? No, that whole lake, you could probably look at it like a mirror glass image across that lake. That's how calm it got. And that affected all the other boats as well. Amen. If you are partners with a ministry who is doing what Jesus tells them to do, and you partner with that ministry, yes, troubling times will come, but you're with Jesus. Even if you are not called, remember I told you the three types of people, those that go, those that help those that go, and those that pay and send those that go. Those are the only three type of people. Well, the fourth one is one who doesn't do anything. You're on your own. But if you're one of the first three and you're with Jesus, amen, every blessing that comes upon the person that goes, every spiritual blessing they experience because of the work they do, you are also part of. We covered this in teaching before. I'm not going into it again. You, as a partner with a ministry who is doing the work of God, doing what Jesus told them to do, when troubling times come, and Jesus stands up and commands peace to be upon those who are doing his work, you are also included in that group. Amen. Because you are with Jesus. Amen. 
It does not say that the other little ships and the people that were in them were just out there for a good time going on a cruise. They were there because they seen Jesus going and they wanted to be part of his ministry and sit under his authority and his teaching. They may not have been part of the inner group of 12 that he had set aside and ordained. But they were still wanting to be with him and under his authority. So when Jesus went, you know, got in a boat to go to the other side, they went and got boats to go with him. They made the effort to stay connected. And when storms came, the group that was with Jesus, even though they had no faith according to the Lord, they got blessed when Jesus said, I'll take care of this. The boats that were with him, the other little ships, there may have been some disciples in there that had the faith to go to the other side. It does not say. But when Jesus saved the group that he had been with and had given the word to go, when he told them to go, he gave them the authority to go. The other little ships linked up with this group that was going. And when trouble came, Jesus said, Peace be still. Everybody got the blessing. Everybody that was with Jesus, that was with the group that was going to the other side, fulfilling what Jesus commanded them to do. Everybody that linked up with them received the blessing of the Lord as well. Glory to God. Amen. You have the spiritual authority to link up with ministries that are doing the work God has commanded them to do. The work the Lord has commanded them to do. As long as they are doing what Jesus said to do. These disciples were making every effort to get to the other side of the lake. They were trying to do it on their own. Much like people do today. They know this is where God wants them to go. They know this is what Jesus has commanded them to do. And they are doing everything in the natural to do it. But Jesus had already taught them all day long. It's not the natural, boys. You have an anointing upon you to fulfill it. All you got to do is stand up and say, Wind, cease. Seize, be calm. They had, Jesus would not have rebuked them if they did not have the authority to do the exact same thing. And if you're hooked up with a ministry who is doing the exact thing Jesus told them to do, you will also receive the blessing. Peter walked on the water. Amen. The only disciple 
the only other person in human history who walked on the water. That means Peter also had the same authority to stand up in the front of that ship and say, Jesus said we're going to the other side. Wind, I command you to stop blowing. Seas, be calm. Keep rowing, boys. We're going to the other side. Peter had that authority. Every disciple had that authority. And the other little ships that were hooked up by faith to Jesus in that boat had the authority to go as well. Amen. You may not be called to go to China. You may not be called to go to Africa. You may not be called to preach the gospel on television or on radio or on the internet. But you can hook up with a ministry that is. Amen. But you first have to hook up and believe in Jesus. You, you, you have to hook up with Jesus. Amen. And then follow the group he's ordained to do what he tells them to do. Don't lift them up on some pedestal. Hook up with Jesus. He'll show you who to hook up with. He showed these other people in these other little ships who to hook up with. They wanted to stay connected to Jesus. Even though the captain of the ships they were in was not a disciple. He wasn't one of the anointed twelve. Jesus didn't say, okay boys, let's split everybody up. Everybody in one of the boats. You're my authority in that boat. No, he didn't go through that. These people hooked up with that boat by faith. That's where Jesus is. That's where he's going. We're going the same way. That's all you got to do. But first you have to hook up with Jesus. If you've never received Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior, this is your day to do so. We don't know if we'll be back next weekend or not. The end could come that soon. It comes unannounced. You don't know when, but you know it's coming. The season is here. If you've never received Jesus as your Savior, this is your day and hour. Just repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, oh Lord, thank you for your word. And your word says, if I trust in you, I will have forgiveness of sins and everlasting life. Lord Jesus, I plead your blood over my life. Wash away my sin. I believe you died in my place and that the Father, God Almighty, honored your death and raised you from the dead. Father, in Jesus' name, I plead the blood over my entire life and I now have righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus in your eyes. Come into my heart, Lord. Create in me a new heart, a new man, one righteous in the eyes of the Father, that I may live for you as you live in me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. If you prayed that prayer, email me at brotherbob at ftfm.org. Glory to God. Let us know. We want to rejoice with you. If you have a prayer request, let us know that also. Amen. And if you want to hook up with a ministry that's going with Jesus, the Donate tab is on our website, front page, ftfm.org. 
and you know become a partner with this ministry. Amen. We have some free offers on the website that you can look at as well. Amen. We pray, as I explained during a sermon, normally I don't do that, but since I did, I'll expound upon it. We pray over every offering we receive as soon as it's received. Amen. And when you're when you become a partner with this ministry, you are prayed for each and every day. Amen. One day will not go by between now and Jesus comes where you are not going to be prayed for. Amen. Well, the music's there. That means our time is done. Until next time, this is Pastor Robert Tibber reminding you, God loves you, we love you, and greater is he is in you than he that's in this earth. And be blessed in all you do. You have just heard a message of encouragement from anointed pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau with Freedom Through Faith Ministries in Baltimore, Maryland. For more information on the Freedom Through Faith Ministries or to invite Pastor Thibodeau to your church, please visit our website, www.ftfm.org. That's FTFM for Freedom Through Faith Ministries. Again, that's ftfm.org. Until next time, when we gather together around the Word of God, be blessed. And remember, we serve an awesome God. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.